Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Um, bike riding season is quickly approaching. It's a little dicey here in the Rocky Mountain region, but uh, yeah, it's a little start stop right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's like literally weekend by weekend. Like, what are you doing with your bike? Yeah, I, I love this part of the season because it's the same every year, and so you know we go ride trails that we would never ride. We were so concerned about trails that in three months I will never ask you like. In three months, I'm not going to be looking at Lake Pueblo trails <laughs> like, and wondering. Is it going to be good this hey, weekend? Is it dry down in Pueblo? You think it'll or, be crowded? How's Green Mountain? Um, <laughs> what about North Table, guys? Like, yeah, you've never seen so many people care about North Table than in March and April. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and it's so funny because like uh, we just hired a new guy at the at the shop who moved here from Oklahoma, and he's like, "You guys are kind of jerks about trails." I'm like, "Yeah, but we kind of have the luxury to be jerks about the trails because." Everything here is really good. And so you just, as the weather gets better, you just push further and further west into the mountains and the trails get better and better and better. So then like midsummer, you're like, why would I ever ride X trail that I would only ride in the winter? Cause right. it dries out early. Right. Yeah. I am not doing um, Mount Carbon repeats <laughs> when I can be at like Dr. Park. And yeah. Crested you. <laughs> so, so we are kind of jerks about trails cause, and uh, we've talked about this. If you take Green Mountain, which I think is a good trail, I'll ride it during the summer. But if you took that and like plunked it down somewhere in Texas, people would lose their shit. Oh, yeah. No, the box of rocks would be like the tech. Dude, we're going to yeah. go to some gnarly tech. Today, yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe not Texas, but certain places for sure. Um, I mean, anyway, you always get to make fun of Texas. Yeah. As a native New Orleanian, it's in the DNA to, to just make fun of Texas at every possible turn. So I was in a coffee shop the other weekend in Frisco and was waiting for in the appropriate spot and waiting for my Americano with a splash of oat milk. And this whole group, like, you know, like, like three women, four dudes, six kids, and they all come up and they come up like to where I'm standing, which is the get your coffee area, which is not, not, the, not order, the order your coffee. Your coffee area. And they walk up they're like, oh, and they don't even say anything. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are gonna have to go over there. And they kind of look at me. I'm like, it's all good. You're probably from Texas. And they they look and the lady goes, she smiles and goes, yeah, actually we are. How'd you know? And I'm like, because everything that's like goofy in this state is because you're from Texas. Or California. Uh, <laughs> we love you guys. Uh. <laughs> but it's early season. And so it, we, we do care about trails, but there's another huge element uh, to early season work, which took me a long time to, to really learn, um, which is I, uh, I've got a fleet of bikes, right? But... Uh, no matter if you have a fleet of bikes or a bike, uh, there is certain things that need to be done uh, every year. And the beginning of the season is kind of like the time to do it. But most people don't do it. They don't do it. Um, and I know why you, you put this as, a, as an episode. Because I got heated last week <laughs> um, because of some last-minute silliness. Um, and I think, I think the best, you know... I think the best advice will start as far as early season goes is make a plan. And, and why I say that, and, and again, kind of the, the driving factor behind this is oftentimes people have events or trips 
um, early season. They want to bug out of the cold spot to go to the warm spot. And they also want to make sure that they're in shape for that. So they're using their bike to make sure that they go and have a good time. Um, and then it's a last minute scramble and emotions can flare. If one thing goes, one tiny little thing, um, goes wrong. And so, um, I understand needing your bike to be ready for the thing, but you scheduled the thing that you want to go do with your bike, the trip, the race, the, whatever it is. So just like schedule maintenance, like just, just build it into the, Hey, you, you know, you can't go hard in the paint for three months in a row and then be ready for your trip. So just like come up with like step one, come with, come up with a maintenance plan. So like what we're going to dig into in this episode, if we had to put like an overarching thing on it, it'd be, you know, tips for early season maintenance and preparedness to have a successful bike year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, in, in some of the stuff, well, actually a lot of the stuff that I've experienced in the last couple of months, I would say, and you know, you've, your base camp's the one that does it. So you're privy to all of this, but it's. It's not stuff that's super easy. It's not like brake pads, right? Or it's not like, um, hey, I need to put on a new tire, right? Like, I've I've dealt with this year like full bearing service, full suspension work, um, things that you really need to tear the bike down, mm-hmm. and and then also have a bunch of other moving parts come together at the same time to get the bike back to well, ready to roll. To pull the curtain back, we had your Norco revolver at the shop for three months. Three months, yeah. Three so, months. And, and so three months, and I actually said this to Mo because I, well, I got the luxury of picking it up yesterday, right? Yeah. And it's amazing, right? Like, it's like brand new. Um, I, I said to Mo, I go, you know, he's like, man, we had that for a long time. And I'm like, I know, but I also know you didn't want to have it for a right. long time. It's not like, yeah. you're like, ha, 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 ha. I've got Justin's I've got bike. bike. <laughs> right? Because, and Mo's like, no, Mo, Mo actually let me know a little bit more than probably he should have. And he said, actually, that those hooks need to turn over two to three times a week yeah. for the for the service area to be a profitable situation. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a bike hanging on a hook, right, because there's a finite amount of hooks, um, finite amount of time and hours and for space people to do and, yeah, stuff, yeah. right? He goes, then that that hurts the, the business or the model or the service department, which they're not in the habit of wanting to do. So, uh, but things happen, yeah. right? And especially with the bikes, in the bike industry where it is right now, things happen and it takes forever to get something that seems super simple. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of like subsection a of make a maintenance plan is understand that for the next 18 to 24 months in the, and this is nationwide. I know we have listeners very fortunately kind of sprinkled throughout the entire country. Um, Understand that, little stuff that you could just, Oh, I just need a chain. Oh, I just need a brake pad. Like build that stuff being hard to come by into your maintenance plan. Yeah. I, uh, I remember last year I was in Sedona on just a little bike weekend trip and I had my squishy bike, right? I had the rayon and my backpack, my brake pads were like kind of low. Actually they were pretty low. Um, they were kind of low in Denver and you're like, right. yo, and I'm like, eh. yeah, no. And actually I was told the two month back order. Yep. For the SRAM code brakes. Yeah. And I just so happened to stop into a bike shop for something else in Sedona. And I saw that, like, hey, do you guys actually have a 
code brake pads? And they're like, yeah, we do. I was like, do you have many of them? Like, yeah. I'm like, cool. I'll <laughs> like, take do you four, have a pair? I'll take four pairs. <laughs> they're like, what? And I'm like, not for nothing, dude. I just can't get them. He's like, yeah, we fortunately have a huge inventory that we pre-bought like the year before, yep. right? Yeah. So, because um, they're like a destination place, they got to have that stuff. So, um, you know, when you say make a plan, like step one, making a plan, most of us don't like to just willingly pull cash out of, out of our pocket and burn it. Like that's not one of my, no. like, hey, what do you want to do on Friday? I want to take some wallet money and I want to set it on fire and I want to watch it burn. Like I don't want to do it. And sometimes it can feel like that when you're doing preventative care maintenance yeah. because you're like, well, there's nothing wrong with it. I know. But when there is something wrong with it, now it's it's zero. So like suspension maintenance, right? I've been flipping bikes every year. So this is the one of the first seasons where I'm keeping the same bike yeah, two me seasons too. deep, yeah, right? Yeah. And you're like, I need to do suspension maintenance, which is something I don't really deal with. Well, is it leaking oil? Is it squishy? Does it feel sloshy? Is it not perform? No, no, no. Everything's good. But I want it to always be good. And so I know I need to do this stuff, which is a little spendy and it is time intensive. But I, I, I just have to, because it's part of the plan for this bike to be successful three, four, five, six months down the road. Right. Well, and, and, and again, to kind of circle back to one of my original points is it, it's, if it's, if you have a plan and you build some padding into the, the time to get it done, nothing's an emergency, right? Right. If it's, if you do defer those things, well, nothing's wrong with it. So I'll just wait. If you defer and you defer and defer, well, guess what? It is almost definitely going to become an emergency because without fail, that thing is going to break that whatever thing that your mechanic was like, Hey, you should take care of this. And you were like, nah, I'll wait. That's the thing that's going to blow up the night before you're packing your car to leave town for a trip or a race or it's going to rest assured. Yeah. yeah, It's going to blow up on the first ride at that destination. And now you're dealing with, Bike. You're calling bike shops, totally, trying to, you know, totally. so. Been, I've been in that boat. <laughs> You're wasting your vacation yep. standing at a bike shop. Um, so make a plan, build some padding into it, um, and then understand that shit's hard to get. I mean, we, something as simple, you know, you referenced things that in your mind are easy to get or should be easy to get. Like, okay, I get like a, a high-end XTR chain may not be like the most readily avail- available thing, but like some bearings for my pivots. Give me a break. Right. How long did it take to get pivot bearings? And we didn't get them from Norco. Right. As long as you've had the bike. Months. Yeah. And it was, uh, and it wasn't for lack of sourcing. I think you ultimately sourced from like three different places. Yeah, I had to, and I even, there were some that I couldn't find a good enough price on that I was like, yo, here's the link. You should just buy these and then yeah. buy however many you think you want to have on hand for your bike. Dude, I can't believe there's 12, 12 bearings, bearings in that revolver. Dude, it's crazy. I was talking to like another buddy. He rides a. He's got like a Yeti 100. Yeah. He's got six bearings. In yep. It, you know. Yeah. So that's just a, a. Like Santa Cruz is the same with just those little links. There's just like six or eight bearings. So. Yeah. But um, but yeah, like oh, I can't get the in in you know again my relationship with you is so close that I get kind of the full behind the scenes explanation, right? Yeah. But the general consumer, you're just like, yeah, dude, that'll they'll be in in three months. Yeah, like, it'll be what? here. Yeah. <laughs> What do you mean a set of brake pads? Um, so make a plan, have some understanding, build some padding in. That's those. That's like we could almost end the episode here. Right. <laughs> um, 
but we won't because it's only like twenty minutes. Yeah, and we want some, <laughs> and, and what's more, we want to we want to touch on some like more practical, like straightforward. Yeah. Hey, do I would do this, this, and this in the early yeah. season. So this is a like if you don't want to be the dude who shows up to the ride and your stuff's always breaking, yeah. you need to turn the volume. Like stop making dinner and just sit and listen to yep. the episode because we were trying to help you not be that guy. Yep. Um, I would say the next, like the single next most important thing is become self-sufficient with tire sealant. That's a huge one. And it's easy and bike shops. It's so easy that I feel, and we're probably a little guilty of it. Like we charge more than it's worth to try to discourage you from getting us to do it. (laughs) That's how I do my (laughs) one-on-one. Like, like, um, so what we do in lieu of that is we're like, hey, look, if you buy the bottle of sealant and you buy the little valve core tool, the first time through, we'll show you, how, we will teach you for your like $26 and you get to leave with sealant in your tires and the knowledge to never have to pay a bike shop to do this again. Um, like just learn that it's super easy. It needs to be done. The only other thing that you do more frequently is air your tires and loop your chain. Yeah, you know, I was surprised by you only find out that you're out of sealant when like the bad thing happened. Right. Right. And I didn't realize I'm like, man, you gotta do it like pretty often. Yeah. Um, it, it's just something you gotta be aware of. You yeah. know, and, and I so, don't know how that orange seal dipstick thing works, because I don't know if that's ever I just pop a bead and look, I think is the best way to do it. But I I I, I don't even look. I just every forty five or so days I put a couple ounces in. Like Smart. that just, I don't care how much is in there. I know it's less than I put in there two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so just because, and, and you're right, you know, I mean, so much of like, it was kind of funny. I, uh, I built a gravel bike around this time last year, but it was, you know, parts, the beginning of part supply was kind of starting to get a little funky. And so, um, it, my build kind of happened over the course of, I want to say like a month or so. Um, and then the weather got weird. And for some reason I built the bike and then it sat for a while and then I rode it. Um, and then I got a flat and genius that I am over the course of that build, I didn't put any tire sealant (laughs) in my own bike. Um, but for sure it, it, again, it's a really easy way to just kind of not be the guy on the first ride of the year who gets the flat. If you have tubeless tires and you have topped off tire sealant, as long as you don't slice it on a super gnarly rock, you're probably not going to get a flat. So, uh, you know, I would say the second thing is, you know, find a bike shop that'll teach you. If there isn't, YouTube works great. Yeah, like if, you're, if your local shop is just like, nah, man, we don't teach you stuff, which is a ridiculous thing to say, um, YouTube will teach you. Um, buy a valve core tool, buy a couple of bottle sealants just to have on hand. And just know that like every 45 to 60 days, it, it needs to happen. Like you don't need a whole bottle. You don't need a full four ounce fill. Usually one to three ounces will get kind of things rolling again, but it's so easy. And nothing is almost nothing is a bigger bummer on a flat on a, on a ride than a flat tire. Yeah. And, um, you know, sealant being one, there's, there's others as well, but Strava's got a pretty cool tool when you like are maintaining your gear. You can put like your service stuff that you've been doing mm-hmm. on each bike. Like if you use the desktop version of the site, and you can kind of like note it. Like I use that to note it. Like oh, 
you know, my total mileage on this bike is 1866. Yeah. Well, at a thousand miles, I did this, this, and this, or, you know, I put sealant in on this date. Like you could do it. That'd be pretty nerdy. Um, but I do that because I want to, well, and you also have a lot of bikes. A lot of people have one bike. Such a sad, <laughs> sad world. And I wonder if they have clean drinking water. <laughs> Jesus. A little brutal. Um, but yeah, so, um, just get self-sufficient with the easy stuff, you know, uh, you know, everybody should be able to air their tires. I'm sorry. Uh, lube your own chain and get self-sufficient with sealant. It's such an easy thing. Um, and it, and again, you know, it, it, it kind of all circles back around to if you go to a bike shop on a weekend, like, Hey man, can you top off my tire sealant? Well, there's eight other flat tires, a store full of people who want to buy stuff. Like you're just it, not that we don't care about servicing your need. It's just, there are 20 people who got here before you and you're trying to go get a bike ride. Um, and so again, it's, it's not a, a mean or a malicious thing. It's just, you know, if, if your ride hinges on you having tire sealant and you go to a bike shop on a weekend, especially like an early season, sunny weekend, like you're going to, you, you might be waiting. So just, just do it. Like get, get to the point where you don't need help on that one. <laughs> I love that. I, uh, I, I moved away. I used to have you guys do my sealant all the time. Mm-hmm. I moved away from that. I even added on being able to like tape my own, tape my own wheels because, you know, if I am having a problem with sealant and I, and I know like, well, I put it in there. I've done this. I'm like, okay, then it's gonna be rim tape. Well, I don't want to go all in just for like, it's yeah. there. You've said this to me before, like bike maintenance. It's not, you guys aren't doing some super crazy secret, like not, not to be learned tasks. Yeah. You have all the tools, any of the experience. Yes, you're much better at taping a rim than I am at taping a rim. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I can't do it, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, and it's such a you know. And I guess I guess we could like modify this to like become proficient with your tubeless setup, because yeah. you know you could need you could be again referencing a trip or something or the night before a big ride, and there isn't a bike shop. You know, you may need to retape your own rim. So. You know, the, those are two, like, we're not going to teach you how to taper him. That definitely defer you over to YouTube for that one. Um, yeah, you fought on the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, cause then all of a sudden we're teaching you how to like do hub overhauls and, yeah, totally. um, but, um, but yeah, definitely, uh, just become like proficient with your tubeless setup. Um, the 20 minute mini tune, the 20 minute mini tune. This uh, is new to me. Well, so it's not. It's just you've never heard me like Say register trademark TM. 20 minute, the 20-minute tune. brought so to you by Harley. You've done all the right stuff, right? You you scheduled time into your, your life to make sure your bike was dropped off at the bike shop. Um, they did. They bled your brakes, and they resurfaced your brake pads and your rotors, and they overhauled your drivetrain. Like, the bike is dialed from the bike shop, but I still got eight to... 12 months of riding ahead of me. What do I do? Bikes don't just come out of adjustment. If you smash it on a rock, it does, but they don't just come out of adjustment. So like your tune will probably, um, hold throughout the season, you know, which is good to know. Right. Um, sometimes I've had like, you know, you start riding you get, like bad shifting a little bit or something goofy. And you're like, Oh, this thing. A lot of times, like when I've had that happen before, I'm like, Oh, and then I put a bunch of lube on the chain and it shifted totally fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that's a big one. People get messed up on that. So the 20-minute mini tune includes owning um we like the the muck off products at the shop. Um they have a really cool cleaning kit and it's everything you need to clean your bike. It it comes in a little bucket. 
So you have a bucket, you have cleaning uh, solution. Uh, I think it comes with chain lube, um, some frame polish, and some brushes. So the 20-minute mini tune is literally just that. You're not really tuning. It's more of like a cleaning safety inspection. But it's an opportunity for you as a rider every five or so rides, wash the bike off, scrub the drivetrain. And when you're doing it, you're looking at your bike. You're touching every single part of the bike. You're seeing if there's a small cut on the side of your tire when you're scrubbing them down. You're seeing if there's you know something that could potentially snowball into a bigger problem. Afraid cable or yeah. something like that. Um, so, so many riders throughout a season, they very much have a, a, a set it and forget it mindset, which you can do if, if a lot of it has to do with frequency too, I guess, like not to, to say this in a negative way. I certainly don't mean it that way, but some people's lives are just built around being able to ride like a day a week. We run in a circle of people who ride three to seven days a week. And so, um, you know, it's that, that whole on a long enough timeline, you know, things are, things will change faster for somebody who rides with more frequency than right. some, you know, so, um, but yeah, so, you know, you're, so it's a real simple, you know, just wash the bike, get it clean. And as you're doing it, you're kind of inspecting the whole bike, wipe it down, um, lube your chain because dude, I, you know, you, you kind of jumped ahead a little bit, um, but the number of people who come in and like, dude, my gears just won't work. And they, you know, they'll call, can you do it? Can you do a, a gear adjustment? Yeah, man, come on by. We'll throw it in the sand. We'll see what's what. And they come in and, you know, their, their chain and their drivetrain is as dry as a, like a, a mummy's crypt. Like, I mean, it is, it is just dust and dirt and squeaks and, um, literally, you know, it's metal on metal, it's friction. And so, if it's not shifting good one way or the other, it's because there's too much friction. So you clean the bike, you get all the crap off, you lube your chain. Um, and then the most important one of this whole thing is buy a nice set of Allen wrenches and just put an Allen key on every bolt. Don't try to make it turn, but just pass a wrench over the whole bike. Yeah. Axles included. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you know, that's something that's part of my like pre-race check. Yeah. And I have, you know, I have a really nice uh, toe peak that's got like a Torx built into it. And some other brands that make them as well. So I actually have a torque wrench on them because um, everything on the bike's pretty much like a four, five or a six. Yep. Or a T25. Pretty much. Or yep. in, in like for newton meters as well, right? Like, yeah. So it's like. Oh, four, five or six newton meters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Like sorry. Structured thing. Um, and I did that as part of my pre-race thing, and it's it's surprising how often you're like, dude, how did that bolt get loose? Yeah. Well, it did. Well, bikes you know? vibrate. You know, yeah. if you think about it, I would say it's probably less common on like pavement-oriented bikes because you're not they're not getting jarred as much. Mm-hmm. But mountain bikes, when you think about how hard we're hitting terrain in a lot of cases, you know, there's a lot that can can go wrong and vibration loosens bolts so lots of times like it's a pain in the butt for mechanics but like um brake caliper mounting bolts have some loctite on them and like normally you're like no i should lube bolts i I, I don't want it to be stuck forever um but yeah so it's literally 20 minutes every five you could stretch it to seven rides um 
just get a little something that's, you know, it's all about setup and ease of use, right? So whether you call, you know, go to a shop and buy a ready-made kit or you just go to, you know, your, your favorite, you know, big box store and get a bucket, some brushes and, you know, whatever, have it ready to go so that it's not some hardship. I have a question for you and, um, I've wanted to ask this, but I don't want to look stupid. So <laughs> I've let that look go. You can't look stupid on a podcast because yeah. it's audio. You got a face for radio. So <laughs> I loop my chain, but I notice when I get my bike back from the shop and it's got like a full tune, I can tell that there's something on the cassette as well. Like, cause you know, in the past I used to like, I'd loop the chain in the lowest gear and then like before I wiped it off, I'm like shifting up and down. And then I was like, wait, does that like just put more lube to collect dirt on the cassette? So then I'd wipe the chain and shift up and down. And then I get to a point where I just wipe, I put lube on it and just wipe it and move on. But I feel like the cassette always has a nice like coating of good lubricant when I get it back from like a good tune. Is that the case? Like, do we put anything on the cassette or no? No. It's just that clean. It yeah. So down. the difference between a consumer having a cleaning set at home and how like your bike that you just got back we have a, a $2,000 ultrasonic heated parts washer. Gotcha. So that thing is like, it goes in and it's, you know, I don't know if you've ever had like the ultrasonic, like teeth cleaning, like it's the same thing. It's like literally vibrating the crap off of, uh, so it's like, it's like a three pronged attack on, on crap on your drivetrain. Cool. Cause it's heated. It's a solvent and we use a, it's not nasty, but it's, it, it'll strip grease off even if it wasn't heated or ultrasonic and then mm-hmm. the ultrasonic vibrates all this so it's just it's that clean oh nice um, um no. i want that done every time because <laughs> <laughs> i could eat off of my bike right now uh, also some of it could be you know we put a new chain on and um the packing like the lubricant that comes from at least from the shimano factory is uh is is pretty nice. I mean, like it, it's heavy and it would pick up a lot of crap, but it makes the chain run nice and quiet. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm taking this thing out. Uh, I, I, I just rode it around in front of the shop yesterday, picking it up, but I'm taking it out to Pueblo this weekend. And it's like, I'm just going to go five hours in the saddle Yeah, and just see what happens. And not, not have your spine shattered out of the back of your head from riding a hardtail. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I'm just going to enjoy suspension for, for five hours. Just and, for five uh, hours. And it probably won't make, it's not going to make a noise. It's not going to make, you know, it's that, it's like that new bike. Everyone's like, oh, that, how's that new bike? Oh, rides amazing. Well, of course it rides amazing. Brand new. Brand new. Doesn't make a noise. It's like, so nice to put like a new lease on life on a bike that like, like you didn't abuse it. You just rode it a lot. I put 1,900 miles on it last year. A lot. Almost 2,000 miles on that bike. On on the one bike and you've got many bikes. three other bikes that you ride frequently. Yeah, it was, uh yeah, that bike got 2,000, put it this way, it got 2,000 miles and it wasn't in a single sanctioned bike racing it so it was just a lot of fun yeah uh so yeah so just you know do that 20 minute mini tune every handful of rides it, it, more importantly for the peace of mind of again you're you're looking at, at your bike um every part of it you're inspecting it um and you may identify you know again circling back around to like kind of having a plan or or, or catching stuff and not being caught out um you may may find some little thing that like oh shit that could turn into a big thing. Um, you know those are the big ones. Um, I I have one because this is with early season this happens too right so every year the beginning towards the beginning of the year uh, like new shit comes out or. Like it's new early part of the season or coming into the season, and like my buddy just bought a brand new bike and it's got 
well, now it goes to 52 teeth. Yeah. Or, right. you know, like, right. or uh, the oil slick this, or the yeah. oil slick, everything's oil slick. The new slick color, now. the new. Oil slick's not even that cool anymore now because it's all oil slick. You can get it everywhere. Um, but the, the, the new thing comes out. And so, like, how do upgrades factor into, like, an early season deal? Because we have one of the race rules is you never race an untested piece of equipment. Right. So, like, you don't put on something new for the race. But beginning of the season seems like a good time to upgrade whether it be like a wheel set or component, other components and whatnot. So any like suggestions on how to plan that for like an early season preparedness thing? Yeah, I, I think, you know, so upgrades are great. You know, so many people will buy a bike um, within a budget, right? It's like I've got $4,000 to spend on a bike and that's, it's a killer budget. You're going to get a ton of bike. Um, but obviously there's $8,000 bikes out there, right? So right. there's, be- there are better pieces of equipment uh, and, and better is a little subjective, I guess, but like, um, so it's not uncommon for a rider to come in. Hey man, bought this thing last year. Absolutely loving it. I got a little, I, I got my, I got my stimulus check. Hell yeah. <laughs> I saw that post already on Facebook uh, on like 303 troll monitor. He goes, I got my stimulus check. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I got my stimulus check, you know, I want to, I, I, I'm not going to buy another new bike. Um, so I think like I think the best way to approach any sort of upgrade is to uh, <laughs> to come up with a budget, you know, whatever that budget is, and then identify um, an upgrade that aligns with your goals on the bike. Um, you know, a, a lot of <laughs> just throw that phone across the room. <laughs> well, you said aligned with goals, and I was like, yeah. It's a- Horrible suggestion and whip my phone across the room. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can, um, you know, there's, there's ways to upgrade. Like there's, there's little upgrades that like are more kind of vanity. Just, I want it cause it's a cool thing. Like everybody, I was talking to a guy yesterday about a bike. He's like, well, it doesn't have a carbon bar. I'm like in the grand scheme of this whole bike, like, the carbon bar isn't what's going to make or break this bike. But if you want a carbon bar, it's 150 bucks. Right. Is it going to change the way, like if somebody had a bike and they were wanting to do some upgrades, they'd probably be pretty disappointed with the money they spent on a carbon bar. Cause it's not going to change how the bike rides. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's funny. You say bar though. Handlebars. <laughs> uh, I learned, a, I've learned a lot about handlebars in the last 48 hours. Yeah. Um, because I went OTB on a recent trip and I got, ga- I, I didn't really gouge. I can't wait to show it to you actually, but I scraped the crap out of my carbon bars, uh, handlebar on my single speed to the point that like it's, it, there's visible like scarring. Like it was good damage to the, uh, to the middle of the bar, um, from a rock. And then I was like, man, is it like safe? Cause like carbon breaks. Right. Right. And that's one of those that like, I don't know if it's safe or not safe, but if it's not safe and it does break, it is, in fact, the only way that my upper body is attached to this bicycle yeah. is on a handlebar. And so I started reading and I was like, oh, damn, like I didn't know carbon handlebars can fatigue anywhere between like one to three years yeah. is the recommended. Yeah. And I was like, this is, I've got three seasons. This is like, you know, into the third year on this bar and it's damaged and it could probably kind of be fatigued already. And then I've thought back and I remember towards the end of last season, I started really experiencing a lot more like, hand fatigue and mm-hmm. pain on my bike and i'm like nothing's changed it's like the same bike same grip same everything i'm like but like i've gotten done with rides i'm like just sh-. i'm like dude my 
hands and arms are killing me. Mm-hmm. And as I learned more, I'm like, dude, my bar literally could have been fatigued. Yeah. And that's something. And then I went and got. Oh, we solved that. We got really crazy. And if you think $150 carbon bar is bad, sure. wait until you start buying a titanium handlebar. <laughs> yeah, go, go, go price out a Thompson titanium handlebar. Um, so, um, you know, come up with, do the little stuff later, right? Like a new handlebar or a new seat, unless your seat's really bugging you. But like those, those first like big upgrades on a bike should be big. Um, I would encourage every bike rider that if you're going to have a bike and you're going to have it for a while and you want to upgrade something, buy wheels. Yeah, <laughs> wheel set. The single best thing you can ever do. A good aluminum wheel set, super nice carbon wheel set, something in between. Um, but yeah, just make sure that you're like spending money in ways that make sense. Like don't upgrade just because somebody, your, your riding buddy said you needed a carbon bar. Yeah, I read a whole, uh, it was quite long actually. It took me all the way to Pueblo um, or to Oil Well Flats. I read it while driving. And, uh, but it was taking like NX, GX, X01 and XX1 and talking about the differences between them. Yeah. And it was pretty revealing. Like, like XX1 is shishi cool, dope, looks neat. But the difference between that and some of the other lines, you're like, wow, it's really like, if you actually looked at that list of differences, you'd be like, I don't value those at all. Right. Yeah. Um, well, but this real set could be really cool. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is like you know be be wary of those shades of gray. Like if you if you bought a bike with NX on it, or you know Shimano Dior, the, the two most entry level good drivetrains you can get. Don't don't if you're gonna again if you're gonna spend the money don't upgrade to to GX. It's such a small incremental change. Like make a big like. Spend some money. Don't buy a $500 X01 shifter and uh, and derailleur. Buy the $1,000 wireless X01 upgrade. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like don't do these little, because again, you're going to feel, you're going to spend 500 bucks or I think it's probably around there. I don't really know. Um, but you're going to spend that money and it's not really going to change your life, but going to a wireless electronic shifting is going to change your life. Right. right, right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So don't notice. Well, that's a cool upgrade, like across the board, like recommendation. Yeah. Like know? be wary of those little upgrades, you know, cause you could do like, if I have full black tires mm-hmm. and I want the new cool, you want skin, wall, wall, yeah. skin wall, t- like tires are really expensive. But if it's kind of the same tire, but the color is only to, like you're gonna be out 120, 130 bucks. Maybe conservatively. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you want it to look cool. Yeah, 200 bucks. You want it to look cool, but like again, you don't feel that, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just like be be mindful of of those little small shades of gray. Like if you're gonna spend money on an upgrade, even if it's delayed gratif- gratification, like even if it's like, you know, I'm gonna I have a thousand bucks now, but I could have 1800 bucks in another two months to like blow on luxury item for my bike. Wait the extra two months. The payoff will well be worth it. Yeah. Um, and then again, I have to circle back around this just in solidarity with bike shops nationwide. Like just cause you saved your money and you're ready. Doesn't mean products easy to get. Right. We, I base camp never stocks hubs. I nine Chris King, whatever. I have hubs on order for inventory for inevitably when somebody comes in, they're like, dude, I need a wheel set. 
Right. Um, so just know that, and, and again, like some of these manufacturers are 90, 120 days out. So you, you say that, and I wanted to, um, I ended up selling the bike um, because I, I was like, I don't need it necessarily for my purposes. Right. Um, I can get my training done on like on my gravel bike. I don't need that one. So I ended up selling a bike, but then I was like, it would be nice eventually to have this other one mm-hmm. like down the line. And so I actually already ordered it. And then have an envelope of that I sold the bike, and then I've got a little bit more cash put in that envelope. Little, so I have like a I call it my Harley envelope, <laughs> and it just sits. I have squirrel cash that's in the wallet. That's different, but my Harley envelope sits in a different spot, right. and I just slowly add to it. And now it's when that next when that bike does come. Yeah. What's what's incidentally is like this time next year. Yeah. Right. It's like forever <laughs> away. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Save up your money, make it a worthy upgrade, and then just be wary of of not doing a big enough upgrade. Um, you know what I do those when I do the the luxury like not real big upgrades, but I, man, I kind of wanted that, but I know I don't need it, and I know it's not going to make a difference. Those are what I buy when I'm on trips. Yeah, because it, like when I go on a trip, it's easier to spend money. Yeah, right, and so. Oh. I, I, I have cash that like I, I hoard cash. Like anytime somebody it could be a dollar, it could be twenty dollars, it could be a hundred dollar bill. But it I don't deposit it, I just hoard it. And that's that's trip money. Yeah. And like when I go on the trip, it's like, you know You laid it out. Yeah, just just so peeling like, off honey. Yeah, I'll get like, oh, I want that anodized hope stem yep. or something. Yeah. You don't need it. Functionally, doesn't do anything no. different. But if I'm on a trip and then I get it and I'm like Oh, dude, I remember when I was in Virginia and I bought that stem at that bike shop. That's kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing I would do, or a last thing that I would say for like early season slash in-season success is get a little bin and have some spares for you, your spares, tires, spare inner tubes beyond the one that you carry, spare CO2 cartridges, spare gels, um, spare bottle of sealant, like just like make your little triage kit and have it in your car. That, that one was a hard one for me to learn. And you, you forced it on me like against my own decision-making. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I like, I run a certain tire on my single speed and it's not always available. And so you just went off and ordered them and you're like, Hey, I got your tires. I was like, I didn't order tires. Yeah, you did. There's six of them right there. I didn't order those. You're going to want them. And so now you have, I, I have like if I tear a tire, I know I get the exact one that I want. Yep. And I don't have to be in a spot where I'm like, oh man, it's not the one that I want. And then I, that can get into my head a little yeah. bit if I'm going to an event that I care about. Yep. But no, I've got I've got six of them, so I'm not gonna run out. Maybe six is aggressive for most people, but like. But I think having it, a set. I think it's fitting uh, for the scope and scale of what you do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and and so my. I've got one of my like little can't live without items. Justin does too. Like just build your own little, and it doesn't need to be massive. You know, for some people it could be a spare tire, a spare inner tube beyond the one you carry with you and, and a spare CO2, but you don't want to get caught out and you don't want to be at the whim of this crazy bike business right now. So just build your little triage kit so that, you know, you have a couple of contingencies. Like you could get crazy and be like, I have a, I have a, a, a derailleur cable and I have a spare chain. Like you can get as crazy as you want, but just build a little, little, little like care package of spares. Yeah. Uh, and keep them in your car. 
I think that's I think that's a killer uh, suggestion. I even have one that um, might be a little aggressive for most people, but I broke a pedal over the weekend, <laughs> and so fortunately, uh, you know, Shimano, so I'm the first pedal I've ever broke. Yeah. Um, but you broke it good too, so I could use the other side. Yeah. But then I had like be aware of the other side, so I just never unclipped my left foot. You know. <laughs> Um, but that reminded me, I'm like, I, I have extra pedals, um, that have come off old bikes or this or that. And I'm like, you know what? That's going to go in my bike bin. Like when I go travel, I'm like, oh no, I have extra pedals. Yep. Just that again, they may be a little aggressive down the line, but you tend to do that when those things do happen. Right. Like, man, if you've broken a pedal, you're probably the guy that carries an extra set now, yeah, you know? Yep. Definitely. I, I always carry cleats Yep. for sure. But, um, and I, I'm going to add one more thing to that, to, it doesn't really tie into like planning season success, et cetera, but do yourself a favor and in your little bike bag, get some like wet wipes. Dude. Like just have a, have like nothing is worse than wanting to go for a post ride meal with a group of people and er everybody funky. Yeah. I, I, uh, we covered this in a previous episode, but, uh, I, I actually did a uh, a Sunday morning ride, a uh, Sunday night ride, and a Monday mid morning ride, and I didn't I didn't ever get to a shower. Yeah, but I had those wet wipe those cycling wipes. Oh, the the, the big guys, yeah. and uh, I I felt fresh as a daisy. Yeah. So just and real pro tip during the summer, like lots of times for like a big ride, I'll bring a cooler. So I have some cold beverages after, after like if I go, let's say I go do Buff 30 Creek miles of Buff Creek, yeah. like I'll, I'll have my, my little guilty pleasure Coca-Cola in a cooler for after the ride. I'll put my wipes in there. So I have cold wipes. Oh, you fancy. <laughs> when I get back to the oh, car. Okay. So, so y'all ain't in that tax bracket. You may not have <laughs> cooled wipes for your dainty nuts. Uh, warm ones will do, but. That actually is a, yeah. a trick I may take down the line. Dude, those are super helpful because, um, uh, again, nothing bums you out more than being up against it uh, later in the season or wishing you had done the thing. Um, that's where I was at with with my bikes this year. It was, like, it was pretty snowy and crappy and cold. And I was like, man, I want to do these things, and they're pretty big, which means I'm going to be without the bike, but I'm going to do them now. And, I, and we, had, we had, I was like, hey, what's the due date? Yeah, right. And you're, yeah. And, and we that, work together to, to make it work. And I think that's, you know, if you aren't working with Harley, because he always does that, if you're with any bike shop, I think having a clear expectation because, you know, if, hey, if, if we're going to do this big thing, but you got to order a bunch of parts, when do you want me to drop it off then so that you have it for as least amount of time as possible? You know, like yeah. instead of dropping the bike off and then you order and then it comes in four days, like, all right, bring it in in four days and it's going to be done in this day. Like, then it makes these things really manageable. Um, but so many people, I don't think do that. And then they get so alarmed by how long it's going to take. Again, it's not because they want to keep the bike. You know? yeah, yeah. I, I, and we've been joking about this and this is going to, again, many things that I say that sound worse than I mean for them too, is like, we want your money more than we want your bike. Totally. Right? Like, like don't think that we're like holding onto your bike because of some nefarious, like Dr. Evil plan. Like, right. like we'd much rather you have your bike and have that repair bill paid and you know move on <laughs> so um so yeah i think that that covers it i mean i think that that's that's a handful of things that can really set uh riders racers adventure seekers uh up for a lot of success in, in the bike season dude i love it so make a plan so you can get that stuff done um which is awesome learn the easy stuff that tire maintenance tire sealing that type of thing that 20 minute tune 
and then um, understanding what upgrades are important and then like scheduling those out and then having your own uh, a kit, you know, of, of yours. We all have like idiosyncrasies about what we truly like. Well, to make sure you have those on hand so that, you know, the shop can sop them on or throw them on or you can order I mean, Those are freaking awesome. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Thanks for listening. Get out and ride your bikes. All right, guys. Bye. Yo, wait, you're done!